My name is Rick Renner, and I'm in the ancient city of Smyrna, which was a large Roman city in the Roman province of Asia. And during the time of the New Testament, there was a strong church in this city that had a lot of problems with persecution. In fact, these problems were so severe, even Jesus referred to them in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, where Jesus said to the church, the devil is going to throw some of you into prison. Not all of you, but some of you. And then he said, you will be tried. That word tried describes a real fiery experience. And we actually know one historical event that happened to a notable believer in this city. That believer's name was Polycarp. Polycarp had been raised as a pagan, but he was adopted by a Christian woman when he was a child, and he was raised in the things of God. And he had such a profound love for the Lord that it even came to the attention of the Apostle John, who lived in nearby Ephesus. John came to Smyrna, laid hands on Polycarp, and ordained Polycarp into the ministry. And Polycarp's entire life was spent serving God's people. Finally, when he was 86 years old, he was in his home on the outskirts of the city when there was a knock on the door. He answered the door, and there were Roman soldiers who came to arrest him for his faith. He was such a kind and benevolent man that history tells us he invited the soldiers into his house, and before they took him away, first he gave them something to drink, he actually served them a meal, he ministered to them. It was an opportunity to share Christ with his accusers. But they brought him here to the city of Smyrna. He was brought before the proconsul, who commanded him to repent of his faith and to return to paganism. And we even know the words of Polycarp to the proconsul because they were recorded by early Christian writers. Polycarp basically said, I've served the Lord 86 years. He's been faithful to me and I've been faithful to him and I'm not going to deny him now. So the proconsul ordered that he be burned at the stake and he was dragged into the stadium and the stadium was where I'm seated right now. This was the stadium 2000 years ago and this particular site commemorates the spot where Polycarp was burned at the stake. And early Christian writers tell us he died in the power of God. There was a supernatural demonstration of power that came on Polycarp as his body was consumed in flames. He died in power. Now you may not be in a stadium be being persecuted for your faith. You may not find yourself being consumed by flames, but maybe you're in a hard spot. Maybe you feel like you're being tried for what you believe or a position or something you've been believing for. You're going through a hard time. God's power is yours too. And just like Polycarp was sustained by the power of God, the power of God is present to sustain you. God wants you to have victory regardless of where you are or what you're going through. And that power is available for you today. And that is what I'm gonna to talk to you about. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. I'm so glad you've joined me for today's program. As I told you in the introduction, today we're going to be talking about the story of Polycarp. And in the introduction, I was sitting right where the ancient stadium used to be in the city of Izmir, 
which is built on top of the ancient city of Smyrna. And that's where Polycarp died for his faith. And not just Polycarp, but a lot of believers were killed in the stadium, in the theater, in the Agora, which was the state marketplace. There was severe persecution in the city of Smyrna. And sometimes when people read the words of Christ to the church of Smyrna in Revelation chapter 2, they dismiss them. They say, well, it doesn't have any application to us. We're not dying for our faith. We're not suffering. We're not poor. What do these words have to do with me? Well, they are the words of Christ. And you know, as a Bible teacher, I have an obligation to deal with all the words of Jesus, not just the ones that I like or the ones that I enjoy. We have a responsibility to exegete everything that Jesus said. And in these verses, in Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, Jesus says some really important things to anybody that's going through any kind of a hard time. These words are very good for you. So today we're going to jump right into these verses. But first, I want to remind you that I'm offering you my series called Christ's Message to Smyrna. Wow, it is so powerful. It's a five-part series based on these programs, and it comes with a really wonderful study guide with all the Greek words, the points, the principles, the definitions. It's so good for you personally or for you to use if you're discipling someone else. And usually I ask you, are you discipling someone else? I hope you are. The Christian life is not just about you. It's about you doing something for someone else. This would be a great way for you to help another Christian that's trying to grow. Or if you are not Bible study, people in Bible studies always struggle with problems in their life. They're asking for prayer all the time. I believe this series has answers that will encourage them to get through their own struggles. So order it. It's going to be a blessing. We're also offering you my book called A Light in Darkness. It is so big. It takes strength just to lift it up to show this book to you. It's more than 800 pages and it's full color. Every single page is filled with photos and illustrations, all kinds of historical information, including events that happened in Smyrna. I actually took my team of photographers, my research team. We went to the city of Smyrna and we documented everything that was there so we could really write accurately about the words of Christ to the church in Smyrna. And at the end of today's program, I'm going to be reading to you from this book about what happened to Polycarp, who was the bishop of Smyrna. But today we're going to begin in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 8. And I'm going to be speaking from my notes because I have a lot of notes to share with you today. But in Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, Jesus is speaking. And he says unto the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, these things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Then verse 9, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. We've already covered in previous programs what this means. First of all, Jesus says, I know, the Greek word oida, which means I know all about you. The word works is the Greek word erga. The word erga describes all their activities. Actually, when you put these two words together, it really means there's nothing about you that I do not know. I've seen it with my own eyes. What I know about you is not what's been told to me by somebody else in prayer. It's not been reported to me by an angel. I've been there, oida, I know. I've seen it by my own observation. Deeds, works, activities, everything about you. And then Jesus explicitly describes two things that he has seen about them. Jesus says your tribulation and your poverty. We've seen that this word tribulation is the Greek word thalipsis, which describes a high pressure situation. It really means to crush, 
to decimate, to annihilate, to totally debilitate, or even to suffocate. It describes what these believers were going through. They were going through agonizing times, real tribulation. The word poverty is an amplification of the word tribulation. It tells us what they were going through. They were being financially deprived. They had lost their jobs because of their commitment to Christ. Their jobs required them to do things that they could not do as Christians. You see, this is how this verse has application for you. Maybe you're at a job where they're asking you to do something and your conscience says, I can't do that. Or maybe your family wants you to behave differently, but now you're a Christian and you can't behave like you used to behave. Or maybe your friends don't understand you now because you've taken a different route because you've committed your life to Christ and it's put you at odds in some way with someone else or another group. Well, sometimes that happens. When we're committed to Christ, we're told to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. And sometimes following Jesus means we're put at odds with others. Well, the believers in Smyrna lost their jobs because they couldn't do what their employers and fellow employees wanted them to do. Particularly, they were a member of the trade unions, which were called trade guilds. And in the trade guilds, and everybody in Smyrna was a member of a trade guild. You couldn't have a job if you were not a member of a trade guild. But in the trade guild meetings, they worshiped a patron god. So it began with idolatry. Then they had drunkenness. Then they had sexual debauchery and orgies. That was a part of the meetings. And Christians said, you know, we just can't do that. We used to do that, but now we've committed our life to Christ. We've been delivered from that. We can't do that anymore. So they either revoked their membership or had their membership revoked by the trade guild because they quit coming to the meetings. And when their membership was revoked, guess what? They lost their jobs. And because they're not of a, in a trade guild, they can't get a job because the trade guilds work on a buddy system. All the new jobs in town go to somebody else in the trade guild. And Christians were not in that circle. They had been removed from it. And because of that, they were experiencing abject poverty. Abject poverty is really the meaning of this word poverty in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 9. This was the kind of tribulation they were really experiencing. Now, there were other kinds of tribulation, physical abuse. They were treated as social outcasts. But every Christian in the entire city was dealing with poverty, financial lack, material deprivation, because they made a decision to follow Jesus and not behave like the world around them. Then the Bible says, And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Well, is this an anti-Semitic statement? No, not at all. It just tells us historically what happened. The Jews in Smyrna, and there was a large Jewish community, became very upset with the new Christian sect because many Jews were converting to Christ. And the Jewish leadership in Smyrna did not like this. So the Jewish leadership began circulating rumors, stories, creating suspicions about Christians, and stirring up the local pagan population to have bad sentiments towards Christians. And Jesus says, wow, their behavior is so bad in Smyrna that in fact, they may say they're Jews, but they're not. They are of the synagogue of Satan. That word Satan, by the way, the Greek word satanus, which means one who accuses, one who slanders. They are a part of the slandering, accusing synagogue. They're just a bunch of accusers. 
That's what Jesus really was saying. Then when we come to verse 10, and this is really where we're going to start today. Jesus says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Now this is where we're going to begin today. When Jesus says, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer, we saw this in yesterday's program, the word fear is the Greek word phobos, which describes fear, fright, terror, or panic. When Jesus says, fear none, the word none is a Greek word maiden, it means none at all, nothing at all, not a speck, not any, don't fear any of this. And the Greek tense is a prohibition, it's a command to halt something that is already in operation. You would only use this word and this tense if the believers there were already in a state of panic. So obviously they were. And now Christ, like a military commander, the head of the church, speaks to the believers in Smyrna and says, halt it, stop it. I prohibit, prohibit the operation of fear. Stop it, stop it now. There's no room for fear here. And I want to tell you that fear never helps anybody. It never is helpful. And Jesus now, as the commander of the church, tells these believers, put a halt to the operation of fear. Do not give way to fear. And then Jesus continues to say, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. I really like this about Jesus. He always tells us the truth. Jesus never says everything's going to be fine. You're never going to have any problems. If something's coming down the pike that's going to be difficult, if we will listen, Jesus or the voice of the Holy Spirit will prepare us in advance. This is not faithlessness. This is love. If you know that someone in your family is headed for a difficult time, don't you think it's loving to say to them, hey, you need to get ready for what's ahead. You could face some rough roads. That's love. That's not a lack of faith. And Christ can see into the future. And Christ sees what is in front of them. And Christ says, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Shalt is the Greek word mellow. It describes something coming. Huh. Well, they've already been through a lot, but now it's the equivalent of saying, I know you've been through a lot, but there's still some things coming thou shalt suffer. The word suffer is a Greek word pasco, can be translated to suffer, but it means to be negatively affected. Circumstances that bring negative consequences. And Jesus says there's some negative things that are going to occur in your near future. Jesus says thou shalt suffer. Wow, this was so very important. Now, in verse 10, then Jesus continues to say, Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. We didn't deal with this yesterday, and it's important. The word behold carries Jesus' own sentiment about what he sees in their future. This is very important. When you see the word behold, the word behold is almost impossible to translate in Greek. It's the word edu, but this word edu, usually translated behold, carries so much emotion. Edom really means, wow, it is amazing. For example, when Jesus said in the Great Commission, if you go to the ends of the earth, behold, I'll be with you always to the ends of the world. It's the same word. And wow, will I ever be with you? When Jesus said to the disciples in Luke chapter 10, behold, I give you authority over serpents and scorpions. That word behold, the same Greek word means and wow, I give to you something amazing. 
It conveys the idea of Jesus being impressed himself with what he was about to tell them. Wow, I'm going to really give you something amazing, power over serpents and scorpions. But now in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, Jesus uses this word behold, the Greek word edu, to describe his emotions about what he sees the devil doing to these believers. Wow, it is amazing what the devil's going to try to do to you. And he says the devil will cast some of you into prison. The word devil is a Greek word, diabolos, the New Testament word for the devil. But in this particular case, it has a definite article, and that's very important, which means this is not just demonic activity in general, but it is the devil himself. Now Jesus says, I see this. That's probably why he begins with the word edu, behold, wow, this is amazing. This is not just demonic activity, but the devil himself, a definite article, is going to be released into your community. And because of his accusing behavior, that's what the word devil really means, one who accuses, one who slanders, some of you are going to be cast into prison. The word cast is a Greek word bala, which means to hurl or to throw. In this particular case, it describes very severe action. The word prison, the Greek word phulake, which describes a Roman prison. There was nothing worse than a Roman prison. And in fact, if you were put in a Roman prison, it was usually a death sentence. And Jesus says, the devil's going to do this. He never says God does this. He never says God is behind this. Jesus says very clearly, you're going to have some rough times. And let's make sure we understand who is behind it. The devil. Jesus says that very clearly. And likewise, when bad things happen to you, it is not God testing you or trying you. It is the devil. Now, God is so gracious, he can empower you to survive it. God will even work in the circumstances to make it work to your good because God is just that good. But the devil is the one who does this. And that's what Jesus says in verse 10. The devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. The word tried is the Greek perazo, which describes a calculated test designed to expose any deficiency or a calculated test designed to break something. And here is the purpose. These Christians had made a commitment to the Lordship of Jesus. They had said, we're not budging, we're not moving, Jesus is Lord, we're going to serve him. It doesn't matter what price we have to pay, how many jobs we lose, how many finances are taken away from us, what material possessions are taken from us or plundered by rob mobs. We're not moving from our commitment to Jesus Christ. And now by using this word tried, the Greek word perazzo, Jesus is saying the devil's going to form some calculated test to see how serious you are about your commitment. He's going to try you to see if he can discover a deficiency in your faith, to see if he can break you. The devil was trying to break them to get them to surrender their faith. And the devil will try to do that to you. If you have a word from God that you're to do something, the devil will test you. It's not God, it's the devil. He'll try to break you so you don't do what God told you to do. If you're believing for healing, the devil will try to test you to see if you're really going to stand for healing. He's always looking for a deficiency in you or if he can break you and get you to move off of your faith. And that's what he was doing to the believers in Smyrna. And in fact, Jesus said to them, you're going to have tribulation. That word tribulation 
the Greek word thelipsis, which means really tough, crushing times. But Jesus said it's going to last only for 10 days. Well, we know that there were 10 Roman emperors who persecuted the church, and maybe that is a reference to those 10 Roman emperors. But on an easier level of understanding, Jesus was really saying to the church, this persecution is not going to last forever. And that must have been very encouraging, because when you're in a tough time, it feels eternal. Will this ever end? And Jesus said to the early believers, hey, it's temporary. It's not going to last forever. It's just going to last for 10 days. It's going to come and eventually it will go. And Jesus said to them, be thou faithful unto death. You say, how in the world could I be faithful unto death? Well, be thou is the Greek word genomai, which means start where you are today, work on your faithfulness, put all your energies into it and be faithful if needed, even unto death. Death, And I'm going to give you the story of Polycarp. I'm going to read to you from my book, A Light in Darkness. One of the most documented, famous martyrs from early Christian history is Polycarp, who served as a bishop of the church at Smyrna. That's what we're talking about. According to tradition, Polycarp first served as a deacon and then later became the pastor and eventually the bishop of all the churches in the entire region. A very old tradition says that Polycarp was ordained into the ministry by the Apostle John, and there's no reason to doubt that story. But after serving the Lord for most of his life and giving his life selflessly to minister to others, Polycarp was arrested for his faith. And why was he arrested? Because the local Jews did not like him because he was leading the new Christian sect and many Jews were converting to Christianity. So the Jews in the synagogue in Smyrna began to stir up problems among the pagans. And they blamed the Christians for bad weather, for earthquakes, for crop failures. They blamed the Christians for everything. And so at a time when they were already killing a lot of believers in the local stadium, the local pagans weren't satisfied with the amount of blood they had seen. And someone in the crowd began to cry out, let's kill Polycarp. Well, Polycarp was the most visible Christian in the city. So according to the tradition, the police went to his home, arrested him. They brought him to the stadium. And in the stadium, Polycarp prayed in front of the entire crowd. And then they set him on fire and they burned him to death in the stadium in Smyrna. I've been in that stadium. That's where I was in the beginning of the program today. It's amazing that today a school is built there and houses are built there, but it is the site where Polycarp, the bishop of Smyrna, died for his faith. And Jesus said, to him that overcomes, I will give a crown of life. It doesn't matter what you're facing in life. Jesus' call is for you to overcome. It's not enough for you just to try. You're called to overcome. That is God's call to you in your situation. Not just to struggle and get through, but to be overcoming in your situation. Polycarp may have died, but he did not relinquish his faith. He did not surrender. Even in the midst of those flames, he was an overcomer. And you can be an overcomer too. But we're out of time. But when we come back in the next program, we're going to talk about what it means to be an overcomer and what Christ promises to those who have an overcoming attitude. I'll see you in just a moment.
The Bible comes to life like never before with Rick Renner's book, A Light in Darkness. Step into the world of the New Testament as Rick Renner transports you to the ancient cities of the early church, revealing the relevance of Jesus' messages to the church then and why those messages still resonate for his church today. On every page of this comprehensive commentary, Rick reveals insight into the ancient world and the disturbing realities the early believers faced as the church began to flourish in a pagan world world with unsurpassed detail fascinating insights and historical context you'll have a greater appreciation and understanding of scripture and how you should interpret it for today this beautifully bound 800 page full color biblical resource can be yours for 80 dollars features on location photography with added artwork and illustrations to enhance the in-depth scriptural teaching that makes the new testament come alive when you call or go online today, you can also get the five-part teaching series, Christ's Message to the Church in Smyrna. As one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, the church in Smyrna suffered great persecution, but Jesus encouraged them to overcome. Available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $10, Rick explores this essential message of how to overcome suffering and persecution and learn to trust in God's final plan. Don't miss this special offer, a light in darkness, and Christ's message to the church in Smyrna. Call now or go to renner.org to order. Friends, this is Rick Renner. Now, right now, I'm in the interior of the Moscow Good News Church. It is quite an amazing place. When you walk through this building, it's so beautiful and it testifies to the grace of God and the provision of God and the giving of our church and of our partners. We built this facility debt-free and because of that, the Moscow Church has never had the burden of monthly payments. All of our funds have been released to do the work of the gospel. And now we need to do that in Tulsa, and I call this Phase 3. And I'm asking you today to pray about joining us as part of the giving team for Phase 3, which is paying off the Tulsa facility. And the reason we want to pay it off is because then it will release funds for us to take the teaching of the Bible to the ends of the earth. And dear friend, right now, the Bible is so needed. And I know that that's my heart and that is your heart. And together, we can take the Bible to the ends of the earth. So please pray about joining us for phase three to finish paying off the Tulsa building. And I want to say thank you in advance. In Revelation chapter two, verse 10, Jesus said, be thou faithful unto death. That word death is the Greek word thanatos. And the word thanatos describes the physical state of death or a mortal danger, a dangerous circumstance, something that is fatal. And in the Roman legal system, it described the death penalty. Jesus was literally saying, be faithful regardless of what you are facing. Regardless of what you are facing, you're never called to give up or to surrender. You're called to be faithful. He said, gee, I don't know how to be faithful to that level. Well, the key is be thou, be thou faithful. Be thou in Greek is the word genomai, which means start where you are, begin today. You could actually translate the Greek, be thou in the process of becoming faithful. You've got to start where you are and build faithfulness into your life today. And tomorrow, prove yourself faithful again. And the next day, prove yourself faithful again. And you begin to construct faithfulness into your character so that when you face something really difficult, it's not hard for you to be faithful because faithful has become a part of who you are. And Jesus says, if you're faithful, 
I will give you a crown of life. And that's what we're going to be seeing in tomorrow's program. But I want to remind you, we're offering you my series called Christ's Message to Smyrna and my book called A Light in Darkness, Seven Messages to the Seven Churches. Father, in the name of Jesus, you have called us to be faithful. And I thank you that we don't have to do it by ourselves, because when we put forth the energy to be faithful, you join yourself to us and empower us. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with me. And remember Ecclesiastes 8.4. It says, where the word of a king is, there's power. Let God's word release its power in your life today. And I'll see you in the next program. 